What is up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast on video. Let's go. We are on video for the first time. It only took us 70 episodes to figure it out, Derek. It is. And I, it's funny. I was even driving here and I was going, we make the comment all the time how like we have a face for radio and how it's a good thing that we don't have video. Now we can prove it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to lose listeners once they see the mugs attached to the voices. Because the voices sound smart, if I do say so. But Yeah, I, I like the smart. Not good, but yeah, smart. Yeah, we sound yeah. smart, but when, yeah. you, when you throw it with the face, it might... <laughs> it also, I, I wonder if... Uh, anybody's like, oh man, like I'm listening on Spotify right now, right? I got to hop over to YouTube and, and figure out what these guys, what look these like. guys finally look. Cause I've never met them before. I got to figure out what they look like. And then they're going to be wildly disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. It could, you know what? It could go either way. Either they're going to be disappointed. Cause they're like, oh my gosh, like really? That's the best you can do with yep. what you got. Or they're going to be disappointed cause we're both rocking. <laughs> some of these. <laughs> okay. I'm uh, so glad you said that because I was I was going to make that joke literally as soon as you were done. I was like, do I want to make the Mary joke or not? So, so that you jumped in. I do I do want to preface better. because obviously, uh if you are watching on on YouTube, uh we're going to be on Instagram. We're not going to share the uh the account. We could just t- shoot our shot with account handles. We ha- we are recording yeah. this yep. before we actually create the the accounts. Yep. And so uh it, it all started from uh the one of the previous episodes uh that we recorded, we just kind of were joking about uh needing to hire a social media manager. Yep. And we had somebody reach out, like, hey, where do I apply? Uh and so jokingly I responded by <laughs> creating a Google form and uh sending it to them. Uh, and, and like, Hey, here's, here's our interview process. Here's the application. And, uh, long story short, we, and, and I threw it out on Instagram as well. And, uh, long story short, a uh, good friend of the show, Tucker was, uh, who's also full disclosure, my brother, but, yep. uh, he, a conflict of interest, but he well, still got the job out of merit, not out of uh family. <laughs> the, the, the reality is, is that the dude runs social media and, yes. and promotions and, and stuff for, a living. And so, uh, he was like, I'd love to, I'd love to help out. And so, uh, we're excited to, to be bringing, uh, Tucker on board to the, how not to be a youth pastor family. Uh, and, uh, and we're excited to be on social media on, uh, full length episodes on YouTube, uh, as well as some, some reels and, and different clips on, on Instagram as well. Yep. And, uh, Nobody uses Facebook anymore, so we need we'll a see. sweet handle like Big Money Pastors or something like that. You know, <laughs> uh, I can confidently say that that's not what it's going to be. Uh, but it also we got to get creative with it because it can't just be like you know our Instagram handle right. at How Not to Be a Youth Pastor. That's too long. Yeah, and so like it it might be like How Not underscore YP or something like I don't know. We'll figure what, it out. What's DJ College? We the best? Is that the yeah? It could be out. We the best. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll do something like that. I think that's that's a great plan. Uh, but no, I I feel like I need to uh, kind of preface this whole new era of the of the podcast of of video with the two things. One, we clearly don't know what we're doing when it comes to no. podcasting. So the idea, like, I'm pretty sure the number one rule of being filmed is don't look directly at the camera. 
That, that's that. I'm pretty sure, unless you I are. I think that's fine. It's like it's when you just like just stare like, at the camera that you have problems. I'm, I'm just gonna keep talking yeah. for a long time, staring Cause, right cause, like, at the to camera. To be fair, we are talking to the audience, so like <laughs> right. you want. I mean, on a film set, yeah, that's definitely the cardinal rule. But I don't well, I mean, think- it depends though, because like The Office, when when it's a when it's a show where they know they're being filmed, it's okay to look at the camera. I mean, that Jim I mean, made his whole stick off butter. of that. Yeah. But uh, the other thing that I need to kind of just get out there is that now people unfortunately get a firsthand look into my office. <laughs> And I I think the camera can get a little bit of what's going on over here. And it's not pretty. Uh, I promise I will clean it up for future episodes. This was kind of a last minute, like... Uh, Tucker, you want to film think, today? I think Tucker unofficially accepted the job last night, uh, and we are filming at like 10 a.m. the next morning. And so uh, it, it's, not, it's not pretty. I promise I will... I'll, I'll get a little bit more organized in uh, in the future. I'm just nervous now. I can't like type sweet nothings to my wife on my computer while you're talking and tune you out without people knowing. That's true. So, I mean, you could at least like, you know, everybody's getting a view into. Uh, I don't know how well they can see the computers, but yeah. you can turn it a little bit. There's nothing too complicated. Hide all Derek's there. secrets. We'll see. That's, a, that's in a different folder. My so- my, my secret folder. <laughs> I did not need to know that. What? Uh, you don't you don't put your secrets in a folder? I keep my secrets in my head. I can't trust a computer. That's fair. I, I I don't trust technology. I am a cross between I was raised on the school of Ron Swanson and Nick Miller. Okay. So I, I can't trust the Twitterverse and all these other things. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, okay, so we're we're gonna dive in. I'm really looking forward to this episode today. Uh and uh, the idea that we get to do it on video is is just making it even better. Yeah. Uh, but before we dive in, Derek, quick question of the day. Uh, what book of the Bible do you recommend to someone who is a newer Christian? They, they show up, they're like, hey, Derek, I'm new in my faith. I want to start reading the Bible. There are 66 options. Which one would you recommend I start with? I mean, Leviticus seems like yep. the obvious choice, right? I knew that one was um, going to come up. You know, but... No, in all honesty, it's funny because I thought there was like, in my opinion, there's like a like probably five really good options. You know, um, my personal favorite, the one that I recommend to everybody, um, and ironically enough, uh, as a church, we're actually going through this together right now, like one chapter a day, and everyone's doing soap. We're uploading it to our Facebook. It's been a really cool thing. Um, but if you're newer to your faith or just newer to reading the Bible in general, um, I really like Matthew. Um, and it's simply because it is, it really is, it's fairly linear in the sense of like, it does a good job of explaining the life of Jesus in succinct order. You know, it's not a complete, you know, exactly every single event from start to finish, but it really just captures the picture of who Jesus was and is, um, in a way that is succinct and, and, and well, you know, all the different gospels have different emphasis, but Matthew just feels like a really good on-ramp to get you a good overall view of the life of Jesus and like the life of the disciples too, and how we kind of fit into that picture. So that's always my go-to. And I'm always a big believer in, in, in like, along with that, I always push translation. Like if you're newer to getting into the Bible, read Matthew in a translation, you understand. And I've made that 
point here before. Leviticus, New King James. There you go. Uh, that's where it's wrong. at. The other, while we're throwing out terrible suggestions, the other one that came to my mind was obviously Song of Solomon. Of course. Song of Songs. That That's a good one. Especially uh, for youth students. For those new Christians, uh, youth students for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, the, Matthew, I love. I love the suggestion, Matthew. That was one of the first two that came to my mind. The other one that I love to recommend is James. Uh, just from a practical standpoint, uh, just some nice baseline things uh, for uh, following Christ. I think that uh, I think that's a good one. Do you you mentioned you have like five? What are some of the other ones? I mean, I think any of the Gospels are a good choice. You know, <laughs> Those were like, four of the five. yeah, like I, you, you really can't go wrong with that. You know what I what I do like about like James is it's short. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for some people it's one of those things where it can feel daunting to tackle a book of the Bible. James is five chapters long, so you can just like you know pound it out basically and just get it done. Um, you know, the other, I, I don't always recommend this to everybody. Um, but the other one that came to my mind is like, sometimes Psalms is really good too. Mm. You know, obviously tackling the whole book of Psalms is an undertaking, but, um, if someone's really going through a lot of emotions is newer to the Bible, I really kind of direct them there just because David's so expressive in, in his walk with the Lord, you know, and he just really kind of lays it out. And I think there's freedom there and just, seeing how David goes, like, I eat my tears, you know, because I'm so sad. And it's like, okay, yet he still praises the Lord. So, again, I get, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of laugh, but yeah, like five, like four of the Gospels, that's the first four. <laughs> right. That <laughs> um, feels like cheating. It, it does. It's a good point. Yeah. I, I will say if, if there was one of the Gospels that I had to place fourth on that list, it would probably be John. Yeah. Uh, because that one tends to be a little bit more, uh, just hard. It there's, there's different, the way that John writes is, is closer to Paul than, yep. than it is right. anybody else. When he and, hops around so much too, yeah. you know? It, yeah. Well, I mean, it's even back then, all of the gospel writers, you see this a little bit, uh, and this is obviously a rabbit trail that we are famous for, Yep, but n- a common literary style was not to necessarily write chronologically, right? But it was to write, uh, you know, with the idea of I'm I'm telling this story and I'm going to organize it by you know context by topic. It's not necessarily going to be in a chronological order, uh, but I agree. John John tends to do that uh, more than most. Uh, plus, you have his whole. Uh, in the beginning was the word yep. and the word was with God and the word was God. The first 14 or 15 verses, you're like, dude, this guy was on something when yep. he wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> when you know what it says, it's powerful. It's but, beautiful. But when, when you, you are new to it and like, you don't know the imagery and, the and all God, that, and the word was with God. You're like, uh. Uh, this is it, the only verse that I can think of that compares to it, it in confusion is when Paul writes, uh, the things that I want to do, I do not do. And the things that I do not do are what I want to do, but I don't do the things that I do want. And I do what I don't want. And you're like, dude, shut up. That, that, that's like that, that episode. <laughs> Erase of, this and rewrite it in simpler language. That, that whole passage, you're never going to read this the same now. Um, that whole passage reminds me of this episode of friends where the secret about Monica and Chandler is like coming out. Yeah. And so like Rachel and <laughs> yep. Phoebe are yep. like, like going back and forth. And it's like, they don't know that we know that they know, you know? Yep. yep. 
Phoebe is trying to seduce Chandler to get him to yep. confess that he is dating Monica. You're welcome, Tucker. You just now got a whole nother uh, picture for the collage you're going to make. Yeah, that's this the episode. other thing. I think we mentioned it on... An, uh, I, I listened back. If you haven't listened to our episode uh, that we just did on tithing, it is one of the most off-the-rails episodes we've ever done. Uh, which is saying something. Which is saying something for sure. But uh, that one we we talked about. Tucker does uh, these little picture collages for each episode, uh, and so we'll definitely be sharing those on Instagram uh, so that uh, we can all have a good laugh on all of the random. Uh, I think the first one he did had Furbies in it, and I was like, "Wow, that is a trip! I can't believe we talked about that uh, like are, on the podcast." Rabbit Trail Kings. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, it's what we do. Definitely going in the bio for sure. Mm-hmm. Rabbit Trail Kings. Master of Rabbit Trails. <laughs> yep, for sure. Uh, so today's episode, what we're going to do is uh, we are going to take a look. This is maybe the episode of the podcast where the Bible will be talked about the most uh, of the 70 episodes we've done. Because uh, what we're going to do is take a look at uh, a bunch of verses that... Typically, a, a lot of people take them out of context, and we are going to take a look at some of these verses and try to put them back into context. Uh, and so I've got a whole list here. I'm not really sure how many we're going to get through uh, due to the aforementioned rabbit trails. Uh, or this first one might elicit just Kyle's soapbox of yelling at people I for love, taking I verses out of context. But uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what we're going to do today. Can I make a little caveat here? I was thinking with this on the way drive in. I think the problem with like out of context verses are the the message is not inherently wrong. Like like a little spoiler alert. We're going to talk here uh, about some of them. Some of them, right? <laughs> Right, like some of them, like I'm just gonna give a spoiler here. We'll get into it. Like Philippians four thirteen, everyone takes it out of context. Like, I can do anything. Like God does give you some supernatural strength. Like that's not inherently off base, but I think where we have to go with this, you have to understand the context around the text. Like I, I had a professor once who said it this way, and I've never forgotten this. He goes, "Imagine if you just picked up tomorrow's newspaper." open it to a random page and started reading as if the writer was writing to you. Like yeah. what life principle could I pull out of this? Mm-hmm. Like, and then the man walked down and gave 10 cents to the, the you know, or gave a quarter to the lady at all these, so you didn't have to pay for her car. Like, Okay, good That's life a principle. W move, by the way. It is. I don't know it's if anybody's nice. ever experienced that, but when, that, when that's you for free, by the way, when when you go to Aldi and someone's like, ah, hey, here, just take, take my quarter, yeah, or take my cart. That's that's a W move. Yeah. Then you have the people who will do that and then like take the fifty cents and run. Yeah, to there's that too. Forward, but but no, like, like my point <laughs> is, as we already started with the rabbit trail, like. It's not that these messages are inherently wrong. It's just that you have to read them in the proper context to really get the true meaning of what the Lord wants to convey. So yep. with that, Kyle, take All us right. through our first one. All right. First one. This is the verse that I hear the most. And every time I hear it, uh, pretty much every time I hear it, it's taken out of context and I hate it. To be clear, where do you see this the most? Because I see this the most in one particular demographic of people. I was going to say people's Instagram bios. I mean, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I, I, I see this one the most at uh, graduation parties. 
Ooh, yeah, that's a that's a good one. I like that. Uh, yeah, that this one. So Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Which is a great verse for a graduating senior who's moving on to the next chapter of their life. Uh, typically, this verse is propped up as God will do good things and he will prosper you, uh, sometimes you know, kind of weaponized in a financial way. Uh, where where people use this verse to say that this means that I will be rich, uh, you know, God has plans to prosper me, uh, you know, plans not to harm you, so that means I'm not going to get sick, uh, and, and plans to give you hope in the future, and and so that's where I, I that's where I see a lot of people go with this verse. Now, uh, we are really really big fans of the fact that context is important. Yep. Um. This verse is written while the Israelites are enslaved by the Babylonians. Which is not a fun trip. Which is not a fun trip. And something that's worth pointing out is that their slavery lasts 70 years after this verse was written. And so when when people talk about Jeremiah 29, 11, I think the piece that they miss is that and and this is very common throughout all of scripture and our interpretations like Derek said uh people miss that the bible when when it says that the lord has plans to prosper us that's by his definition yes. not by our definition when it says that you know he the lord has plans for you that's his plans not my plans and so when when we read Jeremiah 29:11 i think it's important to remember that we are, all of this is in the context of like, I am suffering right now. And and I know that God is going to use this. I know that God can still use me for his kingdom. It is not a guarantee that I am going to have it on my terms, but it's a guarantee that he's going to use me for good. And, and he's got plans for me on his terms. Yeah, and I think I look at this particular text, like he did have plans. They weren't going to be enslaved forever. I mean, he did have plans to give them the promised land, to be in the smack dab of his will. Um, Does that mean they got to enjoy it? Not necessarily, you know? Like some of them did die while they were enslaved Mm -hmm. by the Babylonians. So you can look at that and go, you know, did God fulfill his his promise? And to the person who died, they'd say, no, <laughs> he sure didn't. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where like he, he did though, you know, he was true mm-hmm. to his promise. And this is what I mean by context. It's like, if you look at this and you go, okay, I'm going to go to college and everything's going to be taken care of. Everything's going to be smooth and easy. And it's not, you might go like, what's up God? Like, why did that not work? We're no, the power of this verse is that he's got plans that are beyond us. Things that mm-hmm. we didn't anticipate going, you know? Um, and so I just, I just, I love this actual verse because, you know, it, I've, I've clung to this verse in times when it feels like you are smack dab in the middle of the valley and you go, okay, like God doesn't feel like you have plans for me right now, but you do. And so I'm going to trust that and cling that the grass will get greener. So that's what I mean. Like it's, if you take it out of context, it loses some of the power. Um, and, and 
you miss the true essence of what it's trying to say. Just like this next one, because um, if you watch sports for any amount of time, I guarantee you, you will see this on the cleat, see this on a sock, see this on the eye black underneath your eyes. Oh yeah, this is the one that I was, you you mentioned grad parties for the last one. I was thinking athletes, cleats. I think Steph Curry is famous for putting this uh, on his basketball shoes. And I yep. also believe that this was a popular one for the eye black of Tim Tebow. It sure was. Yep. And that's, and to be clear, I'm throwing myself into into that because you wore I, it as eye black. No, but in nah. high school, this was like my verse. Like yeah. I, I loved this. And again, this is what I mean. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all this through him who gives me strength to be entirely clear. God does give us strength, right? <laughs> this he verse does- is the weightlifter's motto. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why I clung on to it because I had no actual strength. <laughs> but it's one of those things like, you know, it's it's good. Like God does give us strength. He yeah. does empower us to do tough things. But in context, Paul is awaiting trial, right? Like he is, he has been imprisoned for his faith. He is being literally beat within an inch of his life for standing up for his faith. And the verses around this text are him saying like, I can do all this who gives me strength. What he's saying is in plenty or in poor, I've learned to be content Mm -hmm. when things are going really well or when they're going really terribly, I've learned to be content in my current season and I can do all of it because he gives me strength. He gives me strength when the, my wallet is fat and he gives me strength when my wallet is skimpy, just like Kyle and I's. It's one of those things where he's learned to be content in all things. And so like, if you're, if you're going to paint this on your chest and go, I can do anything. I can go and start this business. I can go and, you know, do impossible things because God's going to empower me. Well, no, he's not. If it's not what he wants for you, you know, if you're going to put this on your, you know, I keep saying, paint this on your chest. I don't know why you'd paint anything on your chest, but if you get a tattoo that says like, Hey, I can do all this through him who gives me strength and you and go and be reckless and do something that God's not called you to do. He's not going to necessarily bless that just because, you're proclaiming he gives you strength. You know, like Paul is the better message here is him saying, no matter what comes my way, no matter good or bad, I can have faith that God's going to be with me through all of it. That's what he's essentially saying here. Yeah. I, my contentness does not rest on my success. It rests on my security in the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I do feel like I need to ask, uh, and this is, we're just going to get really um, personal with Derek here. (laughs) On average, how much cash would you say you have in your wallet at any one time? Oh, this is a treat. We're just pulling it out right now. So, no, no, no. Hold on, though. This is actually actually good. When Derek says that his wallet is thick or thin, he's not referencing cash. He's referencing the receipts that he needs to turn in. To our office admin, who yeah. I know watches this periodically, dude, uh, this is this is giving a little bit of anxiety to, to anybody watching this video to right be, now. To be That's clear, so you, 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 you might sit here and go, "Holy crap, you spend a lot of money." Well, the the other idea here is, uh, I'm pretty sure there are receipts in here from January. Well, I was, oh, I, for sure. I was gonna say, like, does the magnet on that thing even actually it's, clip anymore? It's, it's getting a little loose. Uh, like it can't I'm, get, I'm get through the all the paper. Ironically enough, I believe it or not, I have seen wallets 
recently that put this to shame. Like, like oh, yeah. literally we're like, I'm like, like that's terrible for your back. Oh, it is. It's so bad. If you're sitting at like, so I'll pull out. So first of all, the reason I ask is because like who carries cash anymore? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, I don't have any cash. And I actually typically, this okay, little band on my wallet is where I keep my receipts. Yours isn't a size zero by the here. way. No, it's not. But I got to just kind of shameless plug here because I have this little lever on my wallet. And when you slide it over, it's... Oh pops out all of the cards and things that I carry. So that's uh Dave Ramsey would be proud. I don't have like 12 credit Good cards. Good friends of here. the show wallet company. Yeah. Uh, Fidelo. Nice. Never heard of them. Definitely a Facebook ad wallet. Like I've seen oh, those on for Facebook. Sure. Yeah. Got it. Uh, my wife got it for me, I think for my birthday or Christmas one year. And I love it. Well done. It's a, uh, it's a win. So I also got anyways. my wallet for, uh, for my wife. Cause it's got a duck on it. It does have a duck on it. Yeah. Look at that. So don't insult my wallet again, okay? Thanks. I didn't insult your wallet. I insulted your <laughs> filing system. <laughs> you insulted me, which is par for the course. <laughs> no, not you. Just your filing system. Okay. All right. Next one. Uh, we're going to go uh, to the book that actually the next two are in the two books that we just recommended people read. Yep. So listen to this episode before you read them so that you know how to take them in context. Uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse one. Uh, this is right in the middle uh, toward the end of the sermon on the Mount. And Jesus uh, has this beautiful line where he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. And the paraphrase that I see people take that is, uh, and I believe that we can give credit to good friend of the show, Kanye West on yep. this one, uh, only God can judge me, mm-hmm. right? It, it's this idea that uh, I, I'm taking do not judge or you too will be judged and I'm turning it into God's the only person that can judge me. Nobody else here on earth gets to talk bad about me gets to confront me on anything. And I don't think I need to explain why this is a bad idea to interpret this verse this way. Uh, you know, God if, will judge you. Right. Well, first of all, first of all, God will absolutely judge you uh, for that. And, and if God's the one judging you on it, it, it might be too late. Uh, but I think that it's important that we remember that as believers, we are called to hold each other accountable. Yep. As believers, you know, we are not called, like, I am not supposed to shame Derek for the speck in his eye when I've got a plank in my own. Also also Matthew 7. Well done. Accurate. But I I feel like my filing system is pretty good, so I can approach Derek about his filing system for his wallet. Uh, No, but I, if I, if I am, you know, the cheesiest way I can think of to say it is pure in heart, but like, I want the best for Derek. I don't want to shame him, but I want to share with him, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. And this is a con- the concern that I have. What you're doing does not align with what Scripture teaches. Like, we are supposed to hold each other accountable. That's not judgment. It's accountability. And I think that people twist this verse to say, when, when it says that, you know, you shouldn't judge others, they interpret it as you don't, nobody has to hold me accountable. Right. Well, and again, context, right? Like, it's the Pharisees at the time were really good at judging everybody, right? Like, because they were this, and I don't mean like our modern version of, of judging of like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. That don't quit judging me. I'm talking about like, they literally judged you. Like they, 
because they were the keepers of the law and because they held themselves to a higher regard, they would literally start calling shots and making decisions and, and actions on your behalf. Um, whereas, you know, we laughed and we joked, but like the idea is that God is the true judge. And so again, I think it's like a modern use of this word judging. Like, whereas like, it's like a, your stance on something, you know, whereas God is the judge. Like he is going to judge us. Like we are going to come before him when we die and stand before him. And it's not going to be this list of good versus bad, whether you get into heaven or hell, it's do you believe in him? But it's still one of those things where you are going to be held accountable for your actions. And so, um, you know, it is one of those things where like, I can't remember where it is. Kelly might be able to remember it, but like God talks about like not being like, consider it a good thing when God corrects you, you know, like consider it a good thing. Like consider it great joy, brothers and sisters. When you that's James perseverance of that's many not kinds. what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's not, that's, I think you actually, no, no, you don't have that. That's also in James, but, um, joy I can't remember where it is. God corrects you. It's, it's not joy. The word's not joy, but, where I'm going with this is it actually talks about in the word about like being like be good and, and, and consider it a good thing when God corrects you because he loves you. A good parent corrects their children. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton more to say on this one is like, don't just run away from accountability and all those good things. What do you got uh, for me? First of all, I have a shame for anybody who says Googling stuff to learn more about the Bible is a bad idea. Okay. Uh, Job, of all places, chapter oh. 5, verse 17. Blessed is the man whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Yep, there you go. How's that? Perfect. I like well it. Well done. Um, Thanks, Google. Thank you, Google. Uh, okay, next one. Talked about Matthew. Now we get to talk about James. James. Uh, so James... Uh, James chapter five at at the end of, actually, I want to open up James because, uh, this is obviously not written by Paul. It's written by James, but, uh, James does the same thing that Paul does at the end of his, uh, at the end of his, where is it? Uh, now I can't find it. He does this thing where like, I'm just going to throw a bunch of, uh, verses right next to each other. That are all like super that, super. that are all like not really that related to each other. Yep. You know what? I think I'm think actually thinking of First Thessalonians. Yep. Now that I think I about say. it, uh, that's one of the better examples. Now we're gonna go there just because Kyle has to prove a point. I um, do think it's chapter five though. Yeah, First Thessalonians chapter five. Be joyful always. That's one verse. Yep. Pray continually. Yep. That's one verse. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Do not put the spirit's fire out. Do not treat prophecies with content. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Like <laughs> it's, it's almost like he's like giving a sermon and like the pastor's going like, "Hey, you got two minutes until I'm yeah, picking so you up." He's trying thing. to like squeeze all of the rest of his thoughts in at the Be end. Be joyful. Pray a lot. Just throw everything I can possibly think at and yeah. just fire hydrate. Resist evil. Ha. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I'm never going to uh, read that the same. Yeah. So James chapter five, verse 15 says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person. Well, the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Uh, and I was actually talking to one of our youth leaders last night about this verse. And 
he was talking about how he had a friend uh, who's, or a couple friends, brothers, whose dad was sick. And their pastor told them straight up, oh, no. it, you, you already know where this is going. If you have enough faith and pray hard enough, he will be healed. Which is one of the worst pieces of advice a pastor could ever give anybody. Uh, and, and this is a verse that they would probably use to prop up their belief. Uh, and, and you can imagine what happened. Uh, the father ended up passing away. And wait for it, at the funeral, the pastor tells them from the stage, if you had prayed harder, he would still You're be alive. No shot. Yeah. What? And, and uh, oh my so my, Alex is, is our youth leader. We were talking about it. And he's like, I have never wanted to pummel someone so close to death like I did in that, like... That is a, first of all, that's a terrible way to pastor. Uh, but it's also taking verses like this out of context where like, if, if you didn't get healing, you lacked faith is basically what they're saying. And it's such a weaponized way to view, uh, a verse like this. I think that one of the things that we forget as Christians, uh, one is, you know, we, so I think a lot of times we ask for healing, not because we want to see the person healed, but because we want to be comfortable and, and we want our, we want our own selves to be comfortable. And that means like our comfort is brought about by this person not being sick or this person not dying because that'd be an inconvenience for me. And I wouldn't like that. So I want to pray for them to be healed. That's a, not a great motive, uh, for for healing. I think the other thing to remember is that for someone who is sick, physical healing on earth is healing. Perfected body in heaven is also healing. And so when you pray for healing and God chooses that route of healing, just because it didn't look like how you wanted it to doesn't mean it wasn't healing. Yeah, and as a free little tip to pastors out there, um, while you know that, um, you don't necessarily have to share that with a grieving family just in that moment. You know, that's one of also those true. things. Like I, because Christians, it, it almost feels like we're so insecure in our faith that we're not allowing people to just naturally process the gravity of life. You know what I'm saying? Like I hate the idea that there isn't a better place. Like. That might be true, but that doesn't make the person feel better here on earth right now, you know? And so like, it's one of my biggest bugaboos, especially in this realm. Again, I know this is not inherently what we're talking about, but as a pastor, it is so imperative that you allow people to grieve in their own way. When Lazarus died, you know, like the disciples didn't go, it's okay, Jesus, he's in a better place. Like, first of all, they wouldn't know that. But my point is, What's the next verse we read? Jesus wept. The man broke down. He was broken inside, you know? And so like, I I have found there's so much more pastoral love and compassion that just when you have death to that level, you don't need to say anything. You just need to console, hug, listen, and just say, man, this is tough, you know, and I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm, I always say I'm standing here with you, you know, cause more than it, they don't, 
they don't necessarily need answers in that moment. They just need support, you know? Yeah, and so that's true. just be there and just love on them and give them the love that they need just because we, we don't know. And that's the other thing. Like, Yes, they did receive spiritual healing. I'm also not God, so I don't know why this happened the way that it did. So I'm not going to pretend and try and make sense of something that I can't actually make sense of. So I'm realizing now, I think we just went straight into talking about this verse, and I don't never actually read it. Uh, but James 5. Yeah, you did. You read did? it. Okay. Yeah, you read it. Okay. I, I For some reason, I thought I didn't actually read it. No. Uh, okay. I am. Can I read this next one? Because so, I am, yes. I am At stoked dude, about this one. On. Okay. Bring it on. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't think there's any context we need to share with that. We'll move on to the next one. Wives, you just need to listen to everything your husband say. Be a cute little trophy wife and uh, just have no opinion and no say ever. Um, Can I tell you why I'm excited about this first? Yes, Um, please do. Because uh, my wife, this, this sounds a little sacrilegious. Um, my wife loves the Lord. I, uh, continually am challenged and inspired by the way that my wife pursues the Lord. Um, but if she could take a baseball bat to a human being who read this out of context, I'm convinced she probably would simply because she grew up in an area of the country where they took this verse very, very, very literally to the point where it's like, you know, I am your husband. So you listen to what I say. If I said that to my wife, she'd probably laugh at me and then proceed to slap me in the face because (laughs) like, can we, so getting back to what Paul is not saying here, Paul is not saying that husbands just make all the decisions and get all the say and get all the power. I do believe there is a God given desire for the man of the house to be the spiritual leader of the house. That is scriptural. I believe that this is not to say, I talked about this in premarital counseling as well. This verse is not saying that the wife absolves into the husband's life and loses her identity. You know, this is about understanding that like, and I want you to go here in a second, Kyle, but in this verse, he's comparing the the man and the wife to Christ in his church. You know what I'm saying? And so he talks about how Christ is the head of the church, right? Yeah. Yeah, I specifically left out the next few verses when okay. I put this in here because- that's the context that's important, right? Yeah. yeah. And how did uh, how did Christ serve his church? Um, service, like putting complete sacrifice. Yeah, putting the first, you know, the first last and last first. Like right. That's where you know wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That's verse twenty two. Yep. If you go down to verse twenty five, it you know Paul then flips the script and says, "Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church." and gave himself up for her. Like that's where, like that's the verse that not very many people read. Right. Because the the idea is, you know, wives, like completely submit to your husbands. But then also husbands, be willing, love your wife so much that you are willing to completely sacrifice for her and put all of her needs above your own, which creates this wheel of wives submit to your husbands, husbands, you know, sacrifice for your wives, wives submit to your husbands, husbands sacrifice for your wives. It's a really good concept for marriage. It's a great concept for marriage. And yeah, as Derek was saying, people all over 
the country and probably the world use this verse as they actually, I'd say they use it in one of two ways. One, they use it as this is how things should be and wives should be silent and stay in the kitchen and husbands should make the money and make all the decisions for the family. Uh, Or I think that sometimes this verse gets used out of context to prove that the Bible is outdated and out of context and, and culturally doesn't apply anymore because women empowerment and all this stuff. And so like they, they use this verse as this is why the Bible is no longer relevant, uh, which I think is also out of context, but equally as dangerous. Just they're doing it in a different way. Yeah. I, I have nothing more. I mean, I basically where, where I'm going with this too is, you know, if you are using this verse as a power trip, like, you're just straight up not even following the, the essence of what, what Paul's saying here. You know, yeah. it is one of those things. If you have to pull this card on your, on your spouse, like <laughs> you're in a whole nother realm of things that probably aren't super good. Again, I, I firmly believe there is, I have seen it in a really beautiful way, how seeing the husband lead and mm. take a step of faith and do something that seems difficult. And like, I think there's a lot of power and beauty to that for sure. I, I think uh, we talked about this on a previous episode, so I should just go back and look at the statistics. But I believe, you know, if we I, we talked about this on like family or partnering with parents. I don't know what episode it was, but we talked about like if if a kid in a family starts coming to church, yep. there's like a four percent chance that the rest of the family will end up in church. If the mom starts coming to church, there's like an 11% chance that the rest of the family comes to church. If dad starts coming to church, there's like a 90 something percent chance that the rest of the family comes to church. Yeah. Like that in and of itself is, and and don't quote me on the statistics, just go back and listen to all 69 previous episodes and you'll find the actual statistics somewhere. Yeah. But that, I mean, it speaks to the need for both men and women to be a part of the body of Christ. Uh, and, and I think that most churches would say that they experience an under participation from men. Yep. Well, and that's what I was going to say too, is I've, in our church, there are some women who are leading the way in their family. I mean, and they are, they are going above and beyond to raise their kids to know Jesus. And um, I don't want to take that away from them because that is, uh, that is, difficult and that is crazy sometimes to to be able to among all the other things to do that is is really really powerful and cool so that's true yeah uh when tucker was talking to us about uh being on video now one of the things he said was he was excited to see our snacking habits yep so thought i would bust out some skittles at 10 30 in the morning you didn't get me and uh sorry do you want some uh do you want skittles you want something else Skittles would be great i'm gonna read our next verse probably do this because uh I'm actually going to get this tattooed on my body, this verse right here. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 22. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. I love throughout Leviticus, there's a bunch of examples where it's like, hey, here's a law. I am the Lord. (laughs) La, 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 la. I am the Lord. It's like, is this like your version of punctuation? Or like in the in the in the Psalms, you'll see the word Selah used, and a lot of people nobody knows for sure what it means. A lot of people think that it's like a musical yep. notation of some sort, like a refrain or something. 
Yeah. Um, or like, hey, you know, repeat this part. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is the I am the Lord in here kind of a similar like, nice. you know, just like a, I, I don't even know. I just think it's funny that it's, you see it all throughout Leviticus is just, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I don't know why, but I think it's funny. Uh, okay. So okay, I'm, I'm going to jump in quick. There's another, uh, there's another verse that I think gets floated around with this, this idea mm-hmm. even more. And it's, uh, oh, I'm putting on, be put on the spot, but it talks about your body being a temple. Yeah. You yep. know, I think that's new Testament. Yeah. It, and it's, mm-hmm. it's talking about the body of Christ. Like what well, talks about the, us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. It talks about the community of Christ being the embodiment mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit too. All those things. Um, but I, I, I wanted to mention this cause I think the sentiment is the same between Leviticus and this new Testament verse about your, your body being a temple for the Holy Spirit. Um, let me turn over to you what you think. Cause I have opinions, but I want to, yeah. So I, I actually, uh, I, I had a student text me a couple of weeks ago and was like, Hey, like is King Christians get tattoos? And I was like, yes, but only on your face. Uh, and he didn't think that was funny. But um, I, I think that, again, context is important. If you read, like, even you don't even have to go outside the verse to get a couple notes of context. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. The fact that these are in the same sentence kind of give a hint to the fact that maybe we're talking about some sort of ritual involving dead people. There were cultures and nations around the Israelites who worshipped their gods through cutting themselves or marking themselves in ways. They also uh, interacted with the dead through cutting themselves or marking themselves in various ways. Uh, And it was a similar thing, uh, I think it was in the Old Testament, where uh there there's a verse I I believe it's in the Old Testament where they're talking about uh like women don't wear jewelry or or something like that like in in the culture they were near or or in or wherever it was uh they were like yeah however many rings I have that's a symbol of status and so the instruction was don't do that because it, it's not about your earthly status don't do this because it's not about you know, worshiping other gods through cutting yourself. Like our God thinks that's the dumbest thing ever. It it depends on the motive behind something like a tattoo. Uh, I, I would argue that the first half, like cutting yourself is probably just a bad idea no matter what. If you want to get a tattoo, I don't really care. Get a tattoo. That's fine by me. As long as you are not doing it to worship uh, uh, some random thing or person, uh, you know, as long as you're doing it because like, Hey, I think this is cool or whatever. Uh, I would also turn it around and say that you don't have to, you don't have to worship God with your tattoo. Like your tattoo does not have to be religious. Uh-huh. It can be a way to express yourself artistically. I have no problem with that. Uh, as long as we're putting this verse into context. As someone who has a beautiful wife who has some tattoos, um, well, I, she's going to hell. So, well, <laughs> 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 she, I clearly didn't read Leviticus. There's actually a tattoo shop in Minneapolis called Leviticus. 
Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. yeah. Which is hilarious. Hilarious. Uh-huh. If I ever get a tattoo, I might have to get it there just because clearly their humor is Oh, top notch. It, it matches mine. Yeah. Top notch. What I, what she said, I was actually having this conversation with her and some friends of ours not long ago, which I thought was a really cool concept. Um, they were just saying how like tattoos have the ability to tell a really cool story. You know, like if you yeah. just get like a picture of, you know, some random object on your on your forearm, like, okay, like that doesn't tell a huge story. Like, why do you have a picture of a duck on your arm? Well, I like a duck on oh cool. You know, whereas like my wife, a few of hers are she's got um she's got the phases of the moon on her forearm, you know, and that it just, it kind of, it's indicative of something of our relationship. You know, she has, um, uh, the eating disorder, um, logo on her back arm, um, with a flower and it just, it, it, you wouldn't know it off the draw that that's what that is unless you were looking for it, but it kind of tells a part of her journey. Um, and so, like she's got some just she's got some cool ideas of things she wants to do as well. Um, one being, um, her, she was really close to her grandpa who passed away uh, this this last year, and so she's got a voicemail of him saying "I love you," and like she's gonna get the sound waves of that tattoo. Like that tells a cool story, yeah. you know. Yep. Um, and so like where I'm going with that is, you know, it's none of those inherently are about Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, but they are part of who Meg is like a part of it, just what makes my wife, my wife. Um, and like, as you get to know her, you'll understand that like she loves the Lord that way too. So I think that's a great, great, you know, you know, just encouragement that it's not that you have to, and to be clear, you also don't have to get a tattoo to share your faith. Like that's like a trendy thing right now is getting tattoos. Like if you don't want to get a tattoo, you don't have to get a tattoo either, but nope. like, um, I, it's, we make so many th- absolutes out of things that are not absolutes. Cause I'm pretty sure it's also a little bit, I guess where it says, Hey, don't cut your hair. Well, I cut my hair pretty frequently. I was actually planning on getting a haircut after we are done recording today. Can I do it? Can I do no, cut your hair? No, I do Perfect. not trust you. I was thinking, uh, on the topic of haircuts, you know, we, we set the camera up over here. Mm-hmm. Primarily because that's the area of my office that we have room to do it. Mm-hmm. But is that our good sides? Do we have a good side? That's another good question. Do you <laughs> like a less bad side? <clears throat> that that might be something that that we have to workshop. All my sides are bad. Well, you just record like this. Trust me, you do not want the back side of me either. <laughs> All right, next one. Here we go. Uh, back to James. Uh, For this one, James 2.26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is, or faith without deeds is dead. Man, there's something wrong. (laughs) That made it worse. This happens to you, I feel like, every time I don't understand. Now I'm fine. This is the weirdest thing. Uh, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Uh, This is one that people will use to justify the viewpoint of faith. Faith plus works is yeah. what gets you into heaven. Yep. Uh, and, and this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna put Tucker to the test on his first day on the job. You ready for this? Uh, because the graphic, I, I, the graphic's gonna appear right here, uh, where typically people are like faith plus works equals salvation. In reality, if you read like literally the rest of the Bible, what it clearly spells out is that faith equals 
salvation plus works. Like works is on the wrong side of the equation like for a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, so if Tucker made that visual happen, that's awesome. If Tucker didn't make that visual happen because I expect too much of him, uh, then that's my bad. Uh, and it just looked like me moving my arm around. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but what one of the things that I think is is important to realize, like even in this in this passage, what James is talking about is not like your faith doesn't count on your, like your faith doesn't equal salvation unless there's also works with it. Like you, you have to do these things to get salvation. He is saying that, and, and I didn't coin this, this came from somebody else, but your, your works is not the root of your salvation. It's the fruit of your salvation. Like this, this should be something that accompanies like how you know your faith is actually legit is because you want to do all these good deeds that, that come with faith. And and if the good deeds aren't there, it's probably because the faith is lacking. Yeah. Like it's, it's not alive in you. Yeah. Well, and I think I also like to, you know, talk about what deeds are too, you know, cause like, I think it's one of those things where you know, there's this concept that, well, I got faith. So don't need to be reading my Bible. Don't need to pray a (laughs) whole lot. (laughs) Like, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, let's say you do give your life to, you're on your deathbed. You've never read the Bible in your life. If you, if you ask Jesus into your heart, yeah, you are going to heaven. Like that, that is a thing. But the idea is that like, you know, as you continue to know God, you know, it's not that, I guess, whatever I'm trying to go with this. I think what he's talking about with deeds is like actually doing things with your face. This is a, this, this is a little different than spiritual disciplines. You know, like I spiritual agree. disciplines and deeds are not created equal here. Uh, you know, and so, nor am I saying that you need to do those things in order to inherit salvation. But the point is like, as you give your life to Christ, getting into the word, getting into prayer, all of those things are imperative to growing with God. And and what's amazing is as you do those things, those works will follow. It'll just naturally oh, yeah. happen. You know, so that's the thing is like what I love about this verse is it's not that you have to intentionally decide, okay, hmm, I'm a Christian now, so now I'm gonna choose to do good things, right? Like when the internal is good and the internal is changing, the external just follows. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like yep. as a track coach, one of the things I teach a lot is like, when you are running, you have to drive your arms forward and backwards because what that does, that aligns your hips now so that you can run more efficiently. You don't intentionally choose to turn your hips when you're running. You just automatically align them with your arms. Same concept here. When you are going all in for God, your deeds will follow. So when I look at this verse, I don't know how you, how you feel about this, but what he's essentially saying is like, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. He's basically saying like, if you don't have deeds, it's maybe because your faith isn't super, super strong. You know, because like if your faith is super, super strong, your deeds will naturally follow. And so it's not that you have to choose inherently to do the deeds. It's that like, if your faith is really, really strong, your deeds will follow. Yeah. And it actually plays really nicely into the next verse that I want to talk about, which is Psalm 37, 4 which says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Like a Ferrari. Exactly. I, I have many desires in my heart that I would love for the Lord to uh, to give me. Uh, 
you know, second, third house, uh, would be cool. Some vacation homes, uh, we, uh, we just had spring break up here, and uh, I stayed in Minnesota the whole time, and a bunch of my students went to Florida. So that was unfortunate to you know maybe boycott social media that week uh, if you're depressed as a Minnesotan. But uh, I, I think that you know a lot of people interpret this to mean that like if you follow God, He'll give you whatever you want. Uh, the previous verses in Psalms in that Psalm talk about loving the things opposite of what evil people love. And I think that both of these verses kind of go step in step with the overall idea that like, yeah, God will absolutely give you the desires of your heart when your faith is super strong, because when your faith is super strong, the desires of your heart align very closely with the desires of his heart. When, when your faith is super strong, your actions align very closely with what his actions would be, you know, his deeds. And, and, and so, and if, if your deeds don't match what he would do, if your deeds don't match his heart, it's probably because your faith isn't where it needs to be. If, if your desires do not match his heart, that's probably because your faith is not where it needs to be. Yeah. I mean, Matthew six, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be given to you, you know, like same kind of concept as yep. you seek the kingdom, as you seek Jesus, it's amazing how, your heart begins to change. Yeah. You know, I do believe that God blesses us with things that we want and enjoy, but I don't inherently think it's a result of this verse. I think it's just like out of the goodness mm-hmm. of, of him, you know, and it's a really, really good concept. All right. We got one more here. Last th- one. This, Bring it home, th- Derek. This is one of my personal favorites. Matthew five twenty nine. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Uh, I think... I wish I had a spoon here to (laughs) illustrate for people what that looks like. So nasty. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think like it's it's pretty easy to understand that this is more of a metaphorical sense, right? Like no one reads this and goes, okay, hmm, I'm going to chop my own hand off here. Like no one's doing that. But I think we do read this and go, we're just going to like take some drastic actions that maybe aren't super, super helpful. Um, I don't know about you getting real personal here. I see this verse reference the most in reference to like addictions or especially like pornography addictions. Yeah. And in that case, like, I think like, okay, like if your phone is the source of your temptation, like I'm not saying go they, and smash it with a hammer, but like put some apps on it, you know, when it arrives, I'll <laughs> smash it with a hammer. Or to save on postage, I'll just poison him with this. <laughs> Pretty good, oh, huh? I spent a long time watching that movie, <laughs> memorizing every line. Emperor's New Groove for the win. Do you know how fun, how much fun Tucker could have with that right there? Oh, yeah, 100%. To see you dive into that and just to see the crickets of... <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed though. That was that was flawlessly executed. Thank you. Well done. I appreciate it. Anyways, I was saying, um, don't smash it with a hammer. Don't smash it with a hammer. But like, I do think it's good. Like, if your phone is your source of temptation, put a put a blocker on there. Put an accountability software on there. Like, I'm great with that. But where I've seen this taken way out of context is, um, well, this person's not good for me for my life, so I'm just gonna cut them out entirely. Hmm. Like, that's not helpful either. Like, if you need distance from somebody, great. But I've seen this where it's like, 
okay, like I'm going to just completely cut this person or this thing out of my life uh, because it's, it's, yeah, it's, we're, it's, we're ghosting starting right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, that's not, that's not the proper way to go about this. Yeah. Um, you know, like there, there are certain times in your life where you have to draw a line and draw boundaries and do all those things. But um, I just don't think this is, it's a, the problem I have with this first, and I think this could kind of sum up every single uh First, out of context, when you use scripture to convey an idea that's not inherently scriptural, yeah, that's a problem. Yep. When you use God's word to convey something that's not God's heart, that's a really big problem. Yeah. You know, like imagine you go up to somebody that isn't good for you, and you go up and say, "You know what? Hey, like I'm cutting you out of my life because you're not good for me." Like God told me to do it. <laughs> Right. But, but that happens, especially early on in our faith. And so, you know, I think that's why it's so critical to understand context is not just because it gives the fuller picture of what it's actually trying to say, but I think sometimes we, we represent God wrong because we're not operating under, we're, we're using his words to say something he never actually said. Mm -hmm. You could take something I said entirely out of context and make me say something I never actually said. You know, like if I said like, Kyle, I think you're the worst human being. And then I laughed. Like if you were to cut that laugh off, like I'd look like a complete jerk. I meant it, but I'd look like a jerk still, you know? So Fair. It, it, it's, but that's my point is like, you can just out of, out of context stuff just really can kind of give you a, a wrong idea of what God actually intends to do. Yeah. I would agree with that. It also doesn't like, you know, even if that person is bad for you, like, Okay, create a healthy boundary. Yeah. And then when you are in a healthier place, witness to them. Bring them along with you. Like that's that's a huge win. You can't do that. If you if you ghosted them, they're probably not gonna call you back when you do want to tell them about Jesus. Amen, brother. That's a lot of verses, and we could probably have talked for a lot more uh about taking some stuff out of context, but hopefully uh that uh that gives you some encouragement on uh how not to uh use the Bible. How Not to Read the Bible, uh, brought to you by How Not to Be a Youth Pastor. Nice. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, I think that does it for today's episode. Uh, right about now, if you're watching, uh, we're grooving to the outro music. Uh, I could be off in my beat, but I'm just going to assume that it's there. You are off, uh, no matter what that's happens. That's true. I, uh, and when you say we're grooving, dancing is I, not. You're not. Yeah, you kind of let me down there. Dancing is not really my thing. No, I can't sing or dance. And I, for the sake of our listeners, I'm choosing to not. Well, for the sake of our viewers, you're choosing not to. Because we have those now. The listeners don't care what you do with your body other than your vocal cords. Shameless plug here. As we continue to advance here, give us a five-star review on any of your streaming platforms. If you do do this, if you're on YouTube and this is the first video, drop us a comment. Tell us we look really good because we know we do. Also, we just need the self-esteem boost. That's correct. Especially me because Kyle continually smashes mine. Um... I thought I was pretty nice this you were, episode. You were actually very, you were very, Jeez. Uh, very nice today. Well, tune in next week to hear all the mean things I say about Derek. Perfect. Uh, all right. We got to get out of here. Uh, I think it's about time that I go get some more Skittles. Goodbye. Goodbye.